So, uh, hello, hello. Uh, this is Friday and this is the I Love Real Estate Success Story show. So guess what? We have a success story for you today. We're now just gone live streaming into the Ultimate Facebook group. So welcome those on Facebook. Uh, and over the next hour or so, we're going to have a very interesting chat with someone that you know, you might not know, I'm hoping that you're going to know a whole lot more about this gentleman by the end of this hour. I think this is going to be really fascinating. This will be the last uh, interview that we're going to do for 2022. Um, going to take a break, obviously, well-earned break over this year, and we're going to kind of come back uh, next year. But today, we have a very insightful chat with a gentleman that is well-known, has been in the community for over 10 years now. Um, I believe it is, if that's correct. Just and over, yeah. <laughs> just over 10 years, awesome. Um, and also has his own program as a consequence of what he's done and the expertise he's gained, uh, certainly in the last 10 years, specifically in the area of rooming houses. Now, you probably already know who I'm speaking to. It's Mark Baker. Um, and I think we should just get this kicked off and going. Um, Mark, welcome to the, the final um, success story interview for 2022. Mate, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Michael. And there was no hiding who you were talking to. I've been on the screen since the start. So you have. I know. I know. And and it's very easy to see. You know, you're, you're there with with the super, the super, the super dude at the background. That's it. Super super cash flow, wasn't it? Yeah, super cash flow. Yeah, super cash flow. So we're talking to Mr. Super Cash Flow, Mark Baker. So awesome. So hey, for those of you who don't know, I think it'd be really great if we can just pull apart and maybe go through a little bit of your story. And I want to pull yep. apart a few different things and maybe just highlight some things to give a bit of an interesting insight into what you've done, how you've come into the community and, uh, and now where you're at as well. I think it's always fascinating to see. So do you want to give us a bit of an idea of, of where you're at when you, before you joined? Um, yeah, sure. So before I joined, I'd been yeah, operating a number of businesses over a fairly long time and uh, most recently before I joined, I had I actually had a couple of pizza shops and some mobile phone shops and I'd set about selling the businesses off. Um, yeah, business had been yeah, up and down and um, and was sort of heading down at the time. So we thought, well, let's get out of the businesses and focus full-time on property. Um, so this was before I came along. Um, and we had sold um, all the businesses, the mobile phone shop. Uh, well, there was one mobile phone shop that was the last one that will probably... Yeah, a little bit attached to because it had provided well for us over yeah, a long period of time, like 16 years we were in there. And um, yeah, but the margins had just gone down and down and down. So it wasn't doing terribly well. But like I said, I had sold it, sold it on vendor finance, actually. Um, the guy we'd sold it to after three months started defaulting on payments. So three months later, we were back in taking that over. Mm. Um, wow. He yeah, he did help us you know, after that. So he did make good on the fact that he, was behind on payments, so there's no, yeah, no ill feelings or issues there. Um, actually, one of the ones I might just, <laughs> I'll just mention anyway. You probably didn't know I was going to do this, Michael, but go, go for it. No, yeah, no, I was taking that business back over, so um, it was, yeah, I think, a couple of months before we took the business back over. Um, the wife Amanda had been diagnosed with breast cancer, which was a second cancer after having thyroid cancer three years earlier, um, and that. She'd had her first chemo treatment on the Wednesday. I was due to take over the business back the next Monday. So she's at home, you know, in bed, not able to get out because of the chemo treatment. On the Saturday, I broke my leg. 
and I'm due to take over the business on the Monday. Oh, <laughs> I, re I remember you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Talk about bad timing. Far <laughs> yeah. out. So, so everything was happening. I don't know what the universe was trying to tell us, but we got through it. So, <laughs> wow. So it was a little bit longer. Like I said, the guy that um, that had you know was buying the business who had defaulted on that did keep it running for me. Did help me build it back up again and um, and resell it. So that was really good so we built that back up and you know resold it at the time during building that back up like i said we had previously made the decision we're going to live full-time off property without knowing how mm. um, it was actually a customer in that mobile phone shop while i was back in there that we knew had some properties and yeah you know, she said oh well what are you doing with your you know property up the road because we were renovating that we just had some tenants that did a bit of damage to it and i was going to have a go at short-term rental is what i was originally thinking and she's like, oh, don't do that. It's too seasonal here. Do what I do. And it's like, well, what do you do? And that was actually how I got introduced to rooming houses. Really? So it was actually <laughs> yep. someone who came into your shop that got you yep. kind of tweaked your interest. But, but I suppose we, we need to mention as well that you already had a bit of a portfolio at that oh, time, yeah. didn't you? So yeah. you're already in business, you're already in property. And, and were you also kind of like aware of positive cash flow or was that a new, new item to you then? Positive cash flow had is what I'd always been doing, which was weird in a way because you'd go to any you know, education or seminars or whatever, and people would be talking about negative gearing and how you can buy a property for only $80 a week or whatever. And it's like, I can't afford $80 a week. I've got to buy ones that make money. So that was always my focus was to buy stuff that was positive cash flow. And I think that's what enabled me to you know, keep rolling on and buying more properties. So like I started buying properties in you know, 1992. So I'm showing my age now. Aren't I? Um, uh, yes, you are. That's okay. <laughs> in, in, and, and because it was positive cash flow and things were building up and business was doing well through the 90s and stuff like that. So year 2000, I bought 10 properties that year. Wow. So, wow. Wow. So, yep. um, so there was a reasonable portfolio there. Uh, but the thing with that with business, like I said, business had been up and down um, and in the situation we're in with the mobile phone shops at that stage where margins had been tightened and tightened and tightened and we were going backwards. Um, it was you know, fortunate that we had those properties because I was able to use equity from those properties to avoid going bankrupt is basically the position I was in then. Wow. Um, okay. I had other friends in the mobile phone industry that did go bankrupt. So it was an interesting time when all that was happening. Uh. Um, yeah, that, and I'm talking about yeah, you know, just before I came along to I Love Real Estate. So it was yeah, you know, 2012 after I'd taken that business back over and yeah, you know, built it back up and sold it again. Um, still trying to figure out how I was going to live off property because, like I said, at that stage a lot of the equity was eroded to bail me out of the issue with the businesses. And you know, came along to one of Dimpton's one day events, and first time someone's talking about positive cash flow, and it's like, finally, it's like. <laughs> This, this is makes sense. And it, and it was good you know, in a way, you know, validating what I'd thought and been doing for a long time as well. So, yeah, yeah. so jumped in straight away, signed up for Quantum. <laughs> yep. Interesting, yeah. interesting. So, so, excuse me. So I've got to say that um, it sounds like you've already been involved in property. You already yep. knew what was going on. Mm -hmm. um, and property really, you probably would have kind of realised especially when the, when the business went went downhill, that property pulled you out. It saved you. Yep. Yeah. So you're obviously that that was a solution. That's, that's probably one of the, was that one of the reasons why you went 
actually, we really need to get into property because this has saved you in a time yeah, when... I, it absolutely was. Like we had the discussion, like, you know, business has been up and down. You know, we've you know, made some money. We've lost some money. We've, you know, like I said, had a few different businesses. Yeah, overall, it was overall it was pretty good. Um, but yeah, there was some challenging times with it. And yeah, and the realization was that no matter what business did, property always gone up. Yeah, yeah, wow. And it was that equity in the property that yeah saved us. Wow. Okay, got it. So so you came into the community first of all, yep. knowing that property was the way to go. Yep. You'd already had experience. You already had a portfolio. It had already yep. kind of pretty much saved you as well from going bankrupt. So, mm-hmm. and you were already uh, looking at it, things from a positive cash flow point of view as well. Yeah. So not, that already- we were, not that we're all that positive then because of the increased debt, but everything I bought was positive when I bought it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so what was the, you, was it kind of like, you wanted to know more about it when you actually, you know, when you, or was it when you kind of heard Dimna say, "Hey, positive cash flow is the way to go," you're like, oh, "Yeah, this is what I'm doing." Yeah, and you want to you want to kind of solve it. Was that was that kind of what's happening? Yeah, pretty much. Um, it's it's interesting. There's always um, you know different things with partners and that, I suppose. But at the time, Amanda was like, "Oh, what do we need to do this for?" And it's like, "Well, yeah, we can always improve what we're doing and get better at it." Um, and like, and yeah, it has made a massive difference too. So yeah, she's fully on board. She was fully on board pretty quickly. I mean. After the, yeah, we went to the first ultimate boot camp, which I think was October 2012. So, yeah, like you said at the start, just over 10 years. Um, at, the, at that, it's like Amanda was the one when they've, you know, um, yeah, offered platinum. Amanda's like, oh, let's apply for platinum, let's apply for platinum. It's like, okay, you're sure? It's like, <laughs> so, yeah, she turned around pretty quickly. Um, and, yeah, like it made a lot of sense. Yeah, I think one of the realizations too was during the ultimate when, um, I think it's one of the nights where you go and you know do all your property portfolio and your equity and cash flow positions and stuff like that. We we're up until two in the mornings. We didn't know any of it. And mm. like to me, that's weird from thinking from running businesses, I knew where the businesses were at, but I wasn't looking at the property the same way. Mm. Mm. So yeah, I didn't actually know what the position was. Mm. So it took us a lot of work to be able to put that on paper. And it's like, yeah, this is stuff that we should know. We need to be on top of this. Interesting, isn't it? You yeah. can look at a business from the side, you know, you, you got your, your head wrapped around business. Mm. You got property, property saved you, but you you weren't <laughs> wrapped around the, the the whole running and the and the details yeah. of, of property. Yeah. Fascinating. So I had oh. to treat it like a business. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it. So uh so obviously once you joined, you got straight into quantum when you when you when you when you enrolled. Um, yep. and then it was just like first boot boot camp, nut platinum. Yep. Yep. And it was all because Dimna was like, nah, she's speaking your language. You were already, you're already there, but you wanted to take it to the another, another level. And she was just like kind of highlighting exactly what you needed. Yeah. And I, and I think like, because I mentioned, yeah, there was, there was a number of properties, but because we'd pulled equity out to, yeah, get us out of the issues with businesses at that point, we were actually negative. And we didn't know until the ultimate that we were actually losing money. Oh, right? Okay. Got it. That so was right. like we ought to go fast. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, what's what's the option? Get a job. Haven't had one of them since the nineties, so I don't want to do that. Um, <laughs> property's got to work, so we had to make it work. There was there was no other choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now, just 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 a quick one to follow up as well. Yep. You broke your leg. Yes. Amanda was going through chemo. How yep. did that? Obviously, all kind of came through okay at that time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Everything. Um, I mean, obviously 
from the chemo, there's ongoing you know, health issues from all that sort of stuff, but there's yeah, um, cancers fully in remission, all that sort of stuff. She has a regular checks, which are less regular now because it's, yeah, we're talking what, 11, 12, 11, 11 years ago, something like 11, 12 years ago. Yep. Um, so yeah, there was a bit of a, a bit of a pathway through it. Um, but I think the thing is, you know, we just did whatever needed to be done. So, mm. um, so everything's, yeah, everything's good now. Good, 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 good. Okay. Good to hear. Um, so how did, how did things kind of change for you once, once you got into it, obviously you, you, you wanted to move fast. You knew you had to move fast. Yep. You've done your figures and going, hang on, we're supposed to be positive, but now we're negative because we've, we've, you know, we've done the refinance. We've, we've chewed into the, into the, into the equity. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, like, <laughs> so uh, now, so, and you're in platinum and yep. I think you had a very interesting conversation with Jim. Yeah. Cause I was looking at, um, yeah, I need to do chunk deals because yeah, I need to get up some more money to, you know, to do stuff. And Dimpner's like, well, what do you want to do that for? You've got all these properties. Um, just build your cash flow up. Just get your you know, cash flow up so that you don't need to do chunks. You get, get enough money coming in that takes the place of chunks. Um, and that was a pretty good realisation and really got me focusing. Because like I said, I was already doing rooming houses, but I was also looking around for the, yeah, for the next shiny thing, right? Mm. And it was a matter of... And, um, it was a matter of going, okay, well, let's focus and find what the one thing is and really focus and get good at that one thing. Um, and yeah, Dimpner did help a lot with that, with yeah, getting me focused, pulling me back in when I started to <laughs> look around at other things. So um, that was, yeah, that was definitely a, a big benefit of doing platinum. Mm, mm. And at that time, just to, just to let everyone know as well, um, platinum has gone through a bit of an evolution. And at the time, um, platinum, uh, you know, Dimpner was your coach as well. Yeah. Now, yeah. obviously, platinum has expanded; it's evolved, and now, you know, there's there's a number of coaches that look after all the students in platinum because it's it's expanded and um, and, and it's grown since that. But uh, Dimpner was doing everything, which was yeah. kind of a lot for her to do. But you were lucky enough to go through platinum at that time, weren't you? Yep, and and, and I did it twice. You did, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was was um actually we did. We were going to do it a third year, but there were some more health issues at the time that you know, um, meant that we didn't end up doing a third year. Okay. Yeah, yeah, got it, got it. But, uh, yeah. but it was great. But, but it, it sounds like Platinum really got you on the road, you know, got you kind of like out of, out of the groove yep. you're in and really kind of set you up with that, with that focus on, on cash flow. Look, it got the focus. It would have been too easy to go off and try and do different things and all that sort of stuff and um, not get good at one thing. And I think that's something that I saw a bit too. Um, I mean, I'll go there, but even with some of the success stories, like sometimes you see things where people have done really well, but you're sort of thinking, what's next? Because you did a bit of this, a bit of that, a bit of that. Like, what's the actual strategy? Whereas by focusing on one strategy, you can get good at it. And you see it a lot with, um, even with development, like the people who do development, like their first one or two, they might not do great because they're learning stuff. Um, yeah, and yeah, you talk about that too. That's in the education. That sometimes doing the deals is part of the education. Yep. But once yep. you've done the same thing a few times, you can get really good at it, and you just know what to do. Or you can, yeah, yeah something presents itself, and it's like, okay, I'll try this. You just you can change tack really quickly once you've got a bit of experience in it. So it makes a big difference. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, a, it's such a good point that the education is in doing the deal. Yeah. Because you can learn it, you know, you've got that kind of knowledge, you know, mm. but the application of it is the other side of the education that needs yeah. to occur. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's all good having the theory, but you really learn by doing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Ah, oh, good, good. So um, it looked like kind of platinum really got you focused uh, mm-hmm. and Jimna really kind of got you into the whole kind of, kind of rooming house side of things. Um, do you want to give us a bit of a, um, a bit of an idea of when you first got into rooming houses, Yep. who did you go to, to learn? Like, was that, <laughs> was that information available to you or because it's a specialized area, isn't it? So yeah. how did, how did you learn? Uh, look, it was, it was pretty challenging at that time. Um, like I couldn't find anything um, and even yeah, you try and find some professionals or stuff like that, because I did find out, okay, there's a building classification thing. It's got to be class one B. So go talk to a building surveyor and ask them stuff. And they only know that bit of it, the building classification. Yeah, you, you go and stuff, okay, Vic, I mean, I'm in Victoria, so there's a reasonably broad planning exemption that makes things easy. So that part's easy for planning, but then there's the building classification, then there's stuff under residential tenancies, then there's um, yeah, the registration with council and dealing with the health act and all that sort of stuff. And really there was, there was nobody, there was people who knew bits and pieces of information even talking to other people that were operating rooming houses were really, didn't really know, you know, what there was or what everything was and were probably more reactive to things like, you know, the council came on and said, oh, you've got to do this. And it's like, oh, do I? Okay. Um, so I, I don't know, I suppose I'm probably a little bit odd. I was, so I was just reading legislation. I was up at night reading the National Construction Code and you know, the building code and reading the Planning Act and you know, whatever else, I just read stuff. Um, and I tend to retain things pretty well. So I remember a lot of what I've read. So that was basically how I learned. Uh, and then, yeah, that progressed. I, and I did find um, probably early on, I found that there was a registered accommodation association of Victoria, which is a peak industry body for rooming houses. So I joined the association and pretty much, cause that's what I was focused on. I was pretty quickly on the committee. Um, and then probably a couple of years after joining, you know, asked to be a director of the association. So then I was dealing with you know, state government and local councils and all that sort of stuff in my role there. Um, so it's just a matter of you know, reading and learning stuff. And like I said, initially, a lot of those other people that were oper- operating rooming houses, I was going to them and asking them questions. After you know, a pretty short time of reading stuff, they're all coming to me and asking me questions. Mm. So that's sort of how it, how it evolved. There was no specific education around it um nothing yet pretty much nothing nothing that i could find anyway wow wow fascinating isn't it there's a whole kind of industry that's there it's available but there's not enough not enough training to be able to do so or it's sporadically around people know portions of it but but Mm. nothing nothing accumulated um now i i do want to say as well as a consequence of that you've actually created your own program that goes into yeah. details about that. We're going to discuss it a little bit later on. Yep. So if you're wondering about that, there was a solution. We'll get to that a little bit later on. Um, yeah. But um, really interesting that you've kind of gone, gone, gone down that path and you've, you've taken that approach of just self, self-educating mm. you know, yourself in that whole industry and you've really become a leader in that area. So now one of the things I wanted to, to, to mention as well is that when Dibna does a presentation, and when she does an introduction, and some people have seen different presentations, she uses examples of deals. Yep. And when she uses examples of deals, there's a couple that she's been using. And 
Mark, some of those are your deals, aren't they? Yep. Do you want to do you want to give us a bit of an insight from your point of view? Because she's she's gone through and she's kind of you know used those deals. You know, obviously they're, they're real deals and so forth. And mm-hmm. um, do you want to give us a bit, a bit of a viewpoint of how that deal kind of stacks up? And I think there's a really interesting story about how you purchase one of them as well. Yeah, there is. Which which do you want to cover first? The one that everyone's seen with the red the red room with the spa bath? Or? Let's go. Let, let's go. <laughs> let's go. Let's go down. The, let's let's dive into the spa bath, shall we? Yeah. <laughs> you've probably all seen that one. There's a you know lovely room with red walls and a tiled archway over a spa bath in the corner of a bedroom that was it that's so that's not a that's not a bathroom that's in the no, bedroom that's in the corner of the bedroom yeah. so you've got a bedroom and you've got a spa bath in the okay all right yep you, so okay all right we'll leave it up to you as to what you think that room would have been prior to mark yeah i'm not, I'm not going to guess what the house was used for before i bought it but yeah <laughs> you can use your imagination for that one uh, but that one, look, it was a it was a reasonably good layout. It was a little bit of a rabbit warren. I think it was a house that had been extended on a couple of times. Um, we'd you know, been talking, well, actually, I'll, I'll go back a little bit. When we started doing rooming houses, I mentioned I had a number of properties. So there was no, my strategy for picking areas was I've already got properties there. So that's the area I'm in, right? And it's like, well, I'm driving there to deal with that property. I'm going to make it worth the trip and buy more properties nearby. <laughs> That yep. was so. That was the strategy for choosing where I was putting them. It's kind of would you, would you call it just like a little bit of a lazy way of investing, just because it's, it's convenient? <laughs> I mean, I've got to say that because I mean, like you know, John John is similar. John Jian, he he says that as well. He's he's one of the lazy developers. He's like, yep. oh no, no, nothing more than five k's of where I where I'm from. It's just make yep. it easier. So yeah, I don't see an issue with that because there's opportunity everywhere. So it's just a matter of finding what the opportunity is. So I'm. Um, so that that made things a hell of a lot easier for me and a lot easier uh, you know, by then looking at it as a business approach too. Um, I didn't want to keep driving there to look after the properties. I wanted to employ somebody else to do that. And if I was going to employ somebody, I needed enough. So, and yeah, within driving distance for them. So that was what that strategy was. So I'd been talking to an agent and yeah, a couple of properties came up. So we actually bought that one and another one at about the same time. And these were actually... We'd um and and we'd bought I think three properties um at those times that being one of them uh, and that was I was actually in and out of the first ultimate on the phone to the lawyers with things that were happening with the settlements and stuff so <laughs> um, so that was one of them then as well so um, that one was actually a mortgagee sale so the people who had that had had the house before and there was a few things to solve on this actually i'll go through some of those too mm. it was a mortgagee sale um and yeah we'd gone and made an offer on it it yeah, as you as you're now hearing it was 2012 so it was a while ago um mm. that property um i can't remember what they were asking for but it had been to an auction mm-hmm. um earlier that year and they'd passed it in at the auction at i think 220 000. Yep. We offered two ten to the bank. Yep, and we ended up buying it for that. Wow. Okay. Because it's like they weren't getting anywhere else. They were, try, they were trying to get us up, and it's like, no, nope, that's it. That's that's what it's worth. That's what we're buying. You went, you went down. Yep. And that's it. Yep. They had to get yep. rid of it. Yeah. So we ended up buying it for that. We spent. Um, what did we spend on renovating? Because it was a bit of a bit rabbit warrenty and stuff like that. I think we spent about six. Uh, I can't remember. It might have been might have been about forty thousand renovating or something. So it wasn't major. We had a few things come up too, even during doing it. Mm-hmm. There was a room we were going to divide into two, 
because of where windows were. Yep. And then when the work's being done, um, they come back and said, oh, we reckon we can get three rooms in there because one of those walls is not a brick wall. It's just been a wall that's been closed in where a porch was. Um, so it's just, you know, blue board and stuff. We can cut that out, put another window in and get three rooms. And it's like, well, how much extra is that going to cost? And it was like, I don't know, 1500 bucks or something like that. And we're like, what you're asking me if I want to spend $1,500 for an extra 5,000 plus a year. It's like, <laughs> what do you think I'm going to say? So I went to get you know, the plans amended and all that sort of stuff. So we did that there as well. Um, with that, at the end, we went and got it revalued after we'd done the work on the property. Yep. We didn't present it as a rooming house. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> for residential valuation. The rooms were all there. We just furnished it and like, oh, this is a second living area. This is a sewing room. This is <laughs> whatever else. Uh, and furnished it and presented it for the valuation. The valuation came in a bit lower than we'd liked. We challenged the valuation because um, where this property is, um, out the front of the property, like across the road from the property, is the Council Rose Garden. Behind that, you can see across to you know, mountain ranges and stuff like that, like view out the you know, land room window or the front of the house. And the valuer had put on their report, you know, no significant views. Ah, okay. Right? Yeah. Um, and they had some properties in there that we disagreed with. So we actually went back with, yeah, here's what you're saying. Here's a photo out the window. Um, here's some properties you included that we don't think are valid for these reasons. Here's some you haven't included and, you know, we think they're more suitable. And we got the valuation up to 285, I think. Mm -hmm. So we were able to borrow most of what we, you know, refinance and get, get back out most of what we put in. What, what, um, was the, what was the valuation before? So if you got it up to 285, what did it come back? You bought it for 210. You bought it for 210, but what was the first valuation? Do you remember what it was before? Oh, it, like it valued at what we bought it at when we bought it as they normally do. So, so. they valued it at 210 even after yeah. the reno. Yeah, okay. Interesting. Oh, no, the next valuation, no, sorry. Um, what did they come back with? I think it might've been 240. So 240. Yep. And now you've challenged it, given yep. the information. I, I, I just... I want to highlight this because it's a really interesting point, you know, because sometimes it's like, oh, the valuation didn't come back. I'm stuck. I can't do anything. Yep. This is how Mark approaches things. He's like, hang on. No, the valuation's not right. And for this and this, this reason, yep. you go went and provided photos, information about other yep. properties and so forth and said, you need to include this, go back and do it again. And you've gained another 45,000 on the, on the valuation. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Yep. So for those of you who are listening, Listen up. This is this is this is the way you do things when things, you know, if you think things aren't going well or you think, you know, you're not getting the right result, take a take a different approach. Ask a different question or ask more questions. Great. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> so yeah, so awesome. So so you came back, you got you got the 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 two eight five. And then of course, uh, what happened? Did you um, kind of set it up rooming house wise or yep. did you get it rented straight away? No, we went straight into rooming and rented it out. Yep. Uh, one of the rooms in there. Uh, I'm trying to think what we rented it for. That, that the room in the photo, the, the room with the spa. Yeah. Um, I can't. I'm trying to remember what it was back then. I think it was two sixty or two ninety or something like that. We rented that room for. Yep. And like a house in that area, you would have been paying at that time probably not probably not even three hundred dollars. So we're getting wow. for that room what you'd get, get for, a, for house. a house. Amazing. Or, almost all anyway. It's all about that beautiful spa bath. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Was it was really impressive. With the pillars, it probably would have had some, you know, yeah, yeah, significance yeah. of yeah, yeah, some pillars, sort. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They sold it. So such, um, such an such an in demand um, such an in demand um, 
you know, room that one. Like, you know, Amanda wanted to go and you know, try the room out before we rented it out, but she didn't get the chance to. So. <laughs> <laughs> ah, good, good. So that's that's the first, that's that's the first deal, right? And then and that obviously came back very positive cash flow as well. That was that, that one there. I mean, yeah, the low purchase price and everything helped, and you heard the rent for that room with all the rooms and that in there. That property uh, was. And like yeah, the October thing, we're dealing with the lawyers. I think by March, we're renting it out. Yeah, by April, we're probably you know, close to 70 grand a year positive from that property. 70K, one house, yep. positive cash flow. Yep. I said we had to go fast. <laughs> no, 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 but you're going fast. That's like 70 grand, one deal. Okay. I mean, Dibna talks about replacing our income in 18 months. It's like... <laughs> oh, so the challenge was on, was it's it? It's not a competition though, is it? <laughs> no, no, I don't know. Is it a competition? It sounds like it might've been. <laughs> okay, so 70K, awesome. So that's that That's that one deal that you that everyone's wondering about with the spa bath. Awesome. What, yep. what, about, what about the next one? Well, the, the next one, there was actually three at the same time. So... <laughs> So um, there was another one nearby that um, we bought at the same time in the same suburb. That one, we only got to five rooms at the time. I've actually gone back since, got another permit and that's got seven rooms in it now. So that one wasn't hugely positive. That was, uh, yeah, not, not much. I mean, with five rooms, it wasn't hugely positive. It probably wasn't much more than, you know, 10, 15,000 a year positive um, yeah. on that one. Um, there was another one in another another suburb that was more expensive. That one probably ended up being about 30, 40 positive. Um, and plus there was the other properties that we already owned that we were converting to. So we got the income up pretty quickly, which is, like I said before, there, there wasn't a choice. That was what we had to do because mm. uh, getting a job wasn't a choice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, you, you one of those deals, you, yep. you bought off a credit card. Oh, yep. Okay. That's so, the other so, one that's, that's that's the other one that's in the slides. Yeah, that you mentioned the, before. Other one that's yeah. in the slides. Yes. Yeah. So yes. if you're looking for an, now now this one, I believe it's the the long house with a veranda at the front. Yep. Like like a cream yellowy brick, mm -hmm. and a bit of bit of a bit of a it looks like a the bit of a rise going up from the garden up to the house. Mm -hmm. So that one there, that's that's one of yours as well. And yes. can you give us a bit of an idea? Because you interesting story. That one that one I found advertised on Gumtree. Mm -hmm. right. um, they were asking 277000 for it. Yep. It did take a little while to buy it with some conditioning saying, no, you're asking too much and <laughs> all that sort of stuff. Um, I ended up buying that for 235000 with 210 of it vendor financed and the 25000 I went to the bank and got a 14-month interest-free credit card because <laughs> I didn't have much cash left at the time. <laughs> so um so basically no money in the deal um did do a little bit of work on the property so i suppose i probably did spend a little bit of my own money but it wasn't a lot um it was in my opinion under rented um there was it was already built as class 1b so it was already rooming um yep there was but they only had four rooms in there I, that's where i spent a little bit of money reconfiguring to get a fifth room in it um the cash flow from that one was pretty good. I said they had it under rented too. They only had three rooms rented at the time I took it over. Um, and I think we may touch on this too. It was rented by a local agent. And I, I have a bit of an opinion about that, but I don't think real estate agents are the best people to operate rooming houses. Yep, sure. Um, but they had it rented at three rooms out of the four for 160 a week. I 
um, turned it into five rooms and rented them all for more than 200 a week. So I think it was getting like 210, 220 on five rooms. So that changed the cash flow massively from the property and it didn't take long to do. Yep. Um, so I, I paid off that credit card with the cash flow you know, in the 14 months. I think it was about 12 months I'd paid off the credit card. Um, and the property has now been paid off. The vendor finance has paid out. It's totally paid off from the cash flow of the property. So pretty much bought it, no money in, haven't used money, and it's sitting there netting now because the rents are up higher. I think it's netting somewhere close to 50,000 50, a year, might be 45, 50,000 a year. So not bad for no money down. <laughs> so this is, yeah, this is this is a fantastic deal. This is this is awesome. So I, often, and I had tried to refinance with a bank and I could never refinance it. So I've just paid it off instead. <laughs> what a solution, hey? So you're, you're very solution focused. Okay, cool. So yeah. let's, let's, just, let's just kind of clarify this. So vendor finance, off gum, mm -hmm. well, first of all, off gum tree, they're yep. asking 277. You're like negotiated 235. Yep. And then the deposit and, 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 and expenses were paid credit card. Yep. So none of your own money. You yes. have the credit card to pay for it. Mm -hmm. uh, vendor finance over the property. So no bank finance. No bank finance. 210K of that was vendor finance with the vendor. Mm -hmm. Yep. And then in the first year, the, paid off the credit card credit card paid off down to zero. Yep. So at the end of the first year, you are now at zero in, or no, now did you spend some money on renovations as well? Oh, uh, look, I spent about 10,000. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I did put a little bit of money into it, but I mean, uh, well, on a different credit card. <laughs> no, no, that was, that was, that was probably out of the first bit of cash flow, actually. So maybe it wasn't. <laughs> okay. Okay, cool. Maybe, so, it wasn't maybe it was the property's money. But, but, but amazing deal. So just like credit card in, yeah, negotiated. And then of course, uh, now it's paid off fully Yep. from the cash flow and, and, and returning 50, 50 K per annum. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Awesome deal. Yeah. Um, yeah. So not, look, not that not that I didn't want finance on it. I had to pay out the vendor finance, but I could I just couldn't get a bank to finance it. So I just diverted all the cash flow to pay out the vendor finance. Yep. Yep. Awesome. Awesome. Who's liking these deals? Are these deals of interest? Do you like kind of go, hey, <laughs> I, I want one of those? Who's going to get it on to Gumtree now and check it out? <laughs> Uh, oh, you've, 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 you've uh, prompted me. I haven't looked there for a while, so I might have to get on the gum tree again. <laughs> get on the gum, get on the gum tree. Yeah, because I know there's a couple of other students who bought one um, through Facebook as well, Facebook Marketplace, so forth. Yep. Eugene has said 100. percent He's gonna, he's going to be on gum tree. So you jump on a gum tree, you'll see Eugene there checking things out. <laughs> awesome. Um, now, a couple of things have come up during this, and I really want to kind of clarify because you went on and did a whole lot more deals and so forth, and and and. Yep. We, we could talk about that, but I want to kind of clarify a couple of things. One of them is um, you have an approach about how you deal with when things come up with problems. Yeah. And for those of you listening, are you listening to the way that, Mark, it doesn't seem to have an issue with when things come up. It doesn't seem to stop him. And I, I think this is a really important point. When a problem comes up, whenever you're doing a deal, when actually whenever you're going in life, things are going to come up and they're going to give you this impression that it's going to slow you down or stop you. How do you approach that and how do you resolve it? So for you, Mark, how do you deal with when things come up and you go, oh, I have no idea of how to do it? You don't, you don't really kind of let things stop you, do you? 
No, I mean, like I thought while you were saying that, there are no problems, only opportunities. But it's, yeah, there'll be an outcome, whatever the outcome is. Yeah, you may learn something, you may win. It's like, yeah. Um, so it may not be perceived as a positive outcome at the time, but there'll be something in it. So, yeah, look for what the lesson is or whatever. So to do better next time. Um, Love it. Yeah, so, yeah. And it's always that, like, I think there's always a solution. Um, yeah, I've had people asking me some things recently. I mean, this is to do with rooming houses. I'm a little bit off track, but with conversions of rooming houses and stuff like that, with whether they can do something. It's like, well, you can do anything. What's your budget? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, there is always a solution. It just might not be one you like. Mm. Um, so that's, I suppose that's the, that's the approach that, that's the approach that I take to it. It's, yeah, well, okay, that's what's happened. What's next? Yeah, mm. I can't dwell on that. Um, yeah, with, with business, uh, yeah, I've mentioned too. And yeah, same with property deals. You'll have some that lose money. You'll have some, some that make money. Yeah, my aim is to do less of the ones that lose and more of the ones that make money. And, to, and, that, and I do that by putting less of my attention on the stuff that doesn't work and more of my attention on the stuff that does work. Mm. Solutions focused, positive focus. Can you, can you give us a bit of an idea of, of maybe a deal that's, that's had a few issues? And how to yeah. deal with it. I think you were talking about one with a with, where you had to change JV partners and so forth. What? Can, <laughs> yeah, that was that was an early was that, on one it too. It's challenging um, for you. Yeah, yeah. Look, at, and if you had have asked me at the time, and it's like probably the answer still the same. That was we yeah, bought a block of land with a JV partner with the intention of knocking the house down, subdividing, and building three rooming houses on it. Right. <laughs> probably even now sounds a little bit ambitious, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um. The, the thing with that was, yeah, it's it's great now that it's going. It's up and running. There's great cash flow. Um, yeah, if you ask me at the time, and my answer is probably still the same, would I do it again? Probably not, because it took a long time to do. Um, and you can just do one roll on, and you can roll on to the next ones a lot faster by doing, you know, one on a block where you can just get in and build it. But yeah, the challenges in that one, um, yeah, a bit of the way into the deal. Um, yeah, the JV partner that we had had some other stuff come up and couldn't continue with it and they were the one who was putting the cash in um, so yeah, wanted to exit from it so we had to find a JV partner to pay them out and take over their position in the JV so that did take a little while and you know, meeting with a few different people and yeah, discussing that with them and getting to take over and get the, get the project up and running and rolling so we did that but now, um, now, just now, just, just, just. Sorry to interrupt, but yep, that, that's problem number one that you've just resolved. <laughs> There's a few more, isn't there? There's a few more things that kind of happened with this deal, I, and I want to highlight this. Solution because, one. Hey. Solution one. So, thank you. All right. Yeah, yeah. Now, are you listening to this? Are you listening to the way Mark's talking? Right. It's not a problem. It's a solution. Hey, it's yep. just stuff that comes up. Hey, how do we solve it? It's solution based, always solution based. And this is really key because I know that it's like, you know, you, you hear some students are like, oh, I can't do this because of this. Oh, because of this, I can't, I can't. It's stopping me, whatever. Mark just doesn't think like this. And I want you to kind of listen to this and, and, and take some of this on. So that was solution number one <laughs> to a problem. What's solution number yep. two <laughs> did you have? Okay. Um, well, where do we go? Well, we well, maybe not in order, but we'll talk about the finance. Yep. <laughs> so we're getting construction finance for this. And you know, I had a broker that I'd been using for a while because as we said at the start, I'd been buying properties for quite a while. Um, the, um, the 
finance, we then had the lender saying, oh, well, yeah, we can't lend for the construction of three, right? We can't do it. And they couldn't find a lender. And it's like, can't do that. So it's like, okay, well, I've got to be able to get the money somewhere. So let's look around and see where I can get it. Um, and it was actually Wisdom, say, or Andrew from Wisdom that was able to then find a solution for the finance on it. And the interesting thing was that the lender that we were initially going with, it was basically another one of their brands that ended up lending the money. So it was through the same lender effectively in the, in the end anyway, that you know, Wisdom were able to find that solution for it. So we're able to get the finance to build it. Value of the professionals. Yep. Professional, yeah. professional teams. Yep. yep. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. That's that solution number two. <laughs> <laughs> so next next one was was interesting. Like we um yeah, had the council, and this is and this is part of the reason where I was saying, yeah, I probably wouldn't do it that way again, is you know, with um with rooming houses or especially in Victoria, we can typically stay out of planning approval, which means the council doesn't have much say in it. Um and you know, the councils, yeah, whether it's deliberately or not, they do tend to be a little bit obstructive. <laughs> um, and you've sometimes got to educate them on how things work, but we'll get to that more of that later, I suppose. Um, the, the, the one there, they're, they're, like we originally were planning to build three two-storey buildings and they're coming back saying, oh no, we don't want the one on the end because of the visual bulk or whatever other planning terms they use. And yeah, you know, it's on a corner and things like that. So we only put a single storey there. And yeah, we don't want your three driveways on the one street. We want the other one around the corner. So we've gone and changed the designs, put everything in and stuff like that. And of course, the crossovers, the one around the corner was yeah, a different road zone category and Vic Roads have some input in that. And Vic Roads are going, no, 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 you can't add a crossover there. <laughs> so, so then we've had to go back and change again and turn the, yeah, turn the crossover um, back around the other side, turn the house and all that sort of stuff. So lots of design revisions, lots of time back and forth and obviously some more cost with you know, um, revisions from the building designer and you know, back and forth with council and all that sort of stuff. So um, lots of things that had to be solved in that to keep them happy, <laughs> mm, mm, mm. which which did, you know, I mean, did add on to, to more things later, like um, to get the finance and yeah, we probably talk about this a little bit as well, to get the finance, they weren't built straight off the bat as rooming houses. Uh, we still did them class 1B because we knew they had to be class 1B in the end. And we wanted to make sure that you know, the building surveyor and all the other professionals were on board to make sure that everything we needed to do for class 1B, like the disability access and all that sort of stuff complied properly. Um, actually, I might touch on another situation that I helped solve for another student <laughs> where they'd done it a little bit differently to that um, in a sec. Yep. Uh, because that this was happening around the same time. Um, so with so we did all that up front to make sure that was all right and we're all covered for it. But on the planning per and and you know, they made the finance easy because it looked like a house. But on the planning permit, and I'm you know, now very aware this this is generally a condition on a planning permit when you're doing things like this. There's a condition on the planning permit that says something along the lines of you know, the design must remain in accordance with the endorsed plans. So when we went to go and put more internal walls in to create those rooms, the council had come and like, well, I know you need our consent for that. So we had to put another secondary consent application in with the council to be able to do that. Um, so yeah, just another process we had to go through and more we learned. Um, where I said, now someone else was doing similar at the same time and they'd built two on a block and had built them class 1A. So 
not class 1B like they should be for rooming. As a result, no one checked to make sure that their disability access stuff was right. Now they had a bathroom in there, but the slope, the well, the level of the driveway to get to the front door, there was a step in the front door which didn't comply. Mm. So a little bit of a costly solution on that one. Basically, the driveways had to be brand new concrete driveways and path to the front door had to be cut up and pulled out and a new one pulled at different level to be able to get in the front door to comply with the access. And there was a few other things that had to be solved as well, like you know, hallway widths, laundry access, stuff like that, that hadn't been considered because they hadn't built the building class they wanted to end up with at the start. Now, now just on that point as well, for those of you who like, there's probably some people listening that don't know the difference between a class 1A yeah. and a class 1B. Do you want to just give yeah. a quick a quick overview of the difference? Yeah, um, I suppose we're talking national construction code. So class 1A is just a normal dwelling, like what pretty much everyone lives in. Um, oh. Unless you're in apartments, like if you're in multi-level apartments, they're class two. Class 1B is, um, I suppose, a higher intensity use in a domestic scale building. Um, so it's stuff that's either used for multi-tenancy stuff. So in the National Construction Code, it refers to you know, boarding house, hostel, you know, all the like. A bed and breakfast needs to be class 1B, um, a, a small hotel. So it's a building that's less than 300 square metres total floor area that has less than 12 occupants in it. Um, if you go over either of those, then we're going into a little bit more. If you go over either of those, that puts you into class three, which is what hotels are, you know, bigger hotels yeah. and stuff like that. And if you had a bigger rooming house that, that was larger than 300 square metres or more than 12 people, it'd be class three. But typically the space we play in is class 1B because it's domestic scale. It's yeah, cheaper to comply with the fire stuff and all that sort of stuff, so... That's right. And a part of class one B is it is disability access. Yep. It's different. It, it's different uh, fire systems in place as well and smoke yeah. alarms and so forth, all those types of things. Yep. 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 So it's not hard to do and it's easier to do it on paper mm -hmm. <laughs> before you build it rather than trying to fix it afterwards, especially if you've just built it. Yep. Um, yeah. If we're dealing with existing buildings, well, you've got to deal with existing buildings, but if you're building new, there's no reason to create extra work for yourself. <laughs> like a new driveway, for instance. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. But okay, like I said, cool. there's always a solution. So yeah, you just got to find what it is. Okay. Who's picking up this? Are you are you kind of <laughs> are you kind of getting that um there's there's nothing that comes up that Mark's, you know, unwilling to solve. <laughs> Everything is a possible solution. So I really want to pick up this is this is a um this is an attitude and its approach, which I kind of like we've seen again and again. It just it's a success mode, it's an operating basis that just will never let anything stop you always looking at how you can solve it how you can solve it how you can solve it um, yeah. and it really is opposed to when you hear someone say oh you know i can't do this because of this oh it council has said this i can't get finance because of this don't let these kind of things stop you look at these like mark is using as a way of going okay what's the opportunity here what can i do how can i solve it how can i you know work out a solution solution based and I have had to explain how things work to councillors a couple of times. <laughs> That's another point as well. That's another one because you know that so well and you've had, yeah. to, you've had to do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hey, Mark, how do you, like, because you're, we're talking about kind of obviously JVs and so forth, how do you approach mm -hmm. a JV? Because you've got, you've got a, you know, you've got an, a unique approach to many things, but what's your <laughs> unique approach to joint ventures? Oh, look, joint ventures to me, it's, it's way more about the person than anything else because... Um, look, I've seen situations where, you know, with someone in a deal, the deal just won't work. It might be a really good deal, 
but it's just the wrong person in that deal. So it's got to make, I've got to make sure it's the right person with the right approach. Um, and, you know, it's, yeah, I've, I've, I've said it before, I said it a few times, it's, it's, it's sort of like getting married, right? Um, and you've got to make sure that you're compatible, that you're, that you're going to be able to do things together and to be able to you know, solve things that come up together and, yeah, and that there's uh, one, that there's pe people are bringing the right strengths to the deal. Um, it's, yeah, the deal is a little bit secondary to who the partner is. Um, yeah, it's, it, it, and, and, um, like even that JV that I mentioned before, we had, you know, the exit plan in that was actually to sell one of the properties and to keep one each. Mm -hmm. And the things that kept on coming, we talked about valuations before one of the properties we sold three times, had a contract on it, but valuation never stacked up to what the contract price was. Um, so could yeah, so we weren't actually able to sell it, not because nobody wanted to buy it, but because there wasn't a lender for it. Mm. The um, you know, properties that were then trying to keep one each, again, because at that stage they were rooming houses, so we're having valuation and LVR problems. So that's ended up being a long-term hold in JV, which wasn't the intention and I don't, and I don't think is good for JVs. Um, we are actually still, we're, we're talking at the moment about our exit from it or about what we're doing, but because you know, both of our positions have changed considerably when, since we went into that. Um, so we are talking about an exit from that, which may not involve a bank. Um, but you know, um, I think the intention for a JV should be, what's your exit strategy? How are you going to get out of it? What are other alternate exit strategies? Have a few, you know, before you go in, have a few exit strategies. Um, but make sure it's someone you get along with because if it ends up that, you know, you can't exit when you thought you could. You need to both be looking for solutions for that. Mm. Mm. And yeah, you know, I wouldn't encourage long-term JVs. I know, you know, people do talk about that sometimes. I will do that. We all want cash flow. Um, and actually, I do have um, someone I know that does that. But it's yeah, him and a friend of his that yeah, that grew up together. They went to primary school together, and they do a lot of things together. And they are investing together, and that's just what they're doing. Um, but for most people, I mean. I wouldn't encourage that if it's someone you've met at a boot camp or something. <laughs> mm -hmm. So defined period of time. Yep. Relatively yep. defined period of time. Yep. And obviously get along with them. Yep. That's more treat, important than anything. <laughs> treat them like they're going to get married, regardless yep. of, you know, that's the kind of approach you need to take. Yep. Good, yep. good advice. Yeah. Good advice. Yep. And it's a, more about the person than about the deal. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Interesting. Interesting. If you get the approach. wrong person, they can kill a deal. If you get the right person, they can yeah, rescue one. Interesting, interesting. <laughs> that's yeah, that's a that's a that's a that's a very succinct way of, of putting it. Mm. Okay, okay, cool. Hey, um, so how is your life different now? Um, well, it's oh. easier. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, good. <laughs> um, yeah, look, we've we've moved house a couple of times. We've we've moved to a nice property now um yeah we've well my wife's parents um had some financial difficulties so they were you know they ended up coming to live with us so i've bought a property now where they're over in a granny flat not in the same house as us because we did live in the same house for a couple of years and it's better than the granny flat so, mm -hmm. <laughs> um yeah a daughter's actually in a studio that's separate from the house as well so i've effectively got you know three residences on the property we're on now on three acres in a 
nice semi-rural area you know, with a dam and ducks and you, know, you mm. wake up to the frogs in the morning and it's all really nice. Uh, I've got awesome. a pool going in at the moment. So yeah, things have changed a bit and it's a bit easier to make decisions about things now anyway. Um, yeah, not that I didn't sort of, yeah, like you, you picked up a few times, always solution focused. Yeah, my question was always if I wanted to do something, okay, how can I afford to do that rather than, yeah, oh, where am I going to get the money from or whatever? It's like always looking for the solution to how I'm going to do something. Mm. Um, but it's it's a lot easier now to, yeah, the, well, the financial security is there to be able to make those decisions a lot easier. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. 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 Good. Good. And it sounds like you've got a gen, like a bit of a generational kind of home yeah. as well. You've got yeah. like multiple, you know, like three, three different generations living. Well, we in had the... four. We had four generations in the house for a while. Wow. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, Stuart's Stuart's moved out with his son. So yeah, um, his wife and son. So, but they were all living with us for a while. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome, awesome. But you've you but you've you've got the ability to do that as well. Yeah. Create a nice place to go yeah, and and bring them in even in separate residences on your place. Yeah. So yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Um Mark, now there's a there's a few other things we want to get into, but I just want to kind of like from from your point of view on your side of things, um mm-hmm. what do you tell others? Like what advice would you give to another student? Um if, in if what way? Like... So, okay, let, let me well, I want to ask two questions here. One of them is um if someone's just starting, mm-hmm. just dived into the program, they don't really know what's, you know, they're, they're kind of like super excited. They've got some enthusiasm to get into the program. They've just seen Dimner and they've gone, this is what I want for whatever reason, their own personal reasons. What what advice would you give them? Um, well, I mean, get into it and get moving. I've, I've, I've used this a bit too. It's like you can if you can sit in a car and you can turn the steering wheel all your life, but you're not changing direction unless you put your foot on the pedal. Right. So you've got to get moving before you can choose what direction you're going. So I think that's the first thing is to get moving and start doing something. Um, I think the next thing is you need to find a strategy that suits you, you know, something that you're going to do and can do and will actively do and even enjoy doing. Like, yeah, you know, I've done, I think this is quite a few years ago. I'm trying to remember what it was. I posted, um, I was posting stuff where I did, I think it was about eight renovations in one year. Um, I am not a renovator. <laughs> that does not suit me. Yeah, you want me to choose colours? I got freaking no idea. It's like uh, renovation doesn't suit me. Other people are out there just doing renovation after renovation, and it works really well for them. Um, yeah, I mean, and, that, and that's a great chunk strategy. Uh, I mean, cash flow always suited me better anyway. It was what I always did. Yeah, that was my purpose in businesses and stuff like that. Was yeah, cash flow. Yeah, get revenue up. So. Really, I've picked something that suits me and works for me. Um, you know, for other people, they might be good at you know, organising, you know, doing the numbers, you know, spreadsheets, feasibilities, all that sort of stuff, and you know, and then development suits them. So it's a matter of looking at what your strengths are and what suits you, and then getting really good at it by getting out there and getting active. Mm-hmm. But yeah, don't. I mean, I, yeah, I, I do see people going from one strategy to another. I'll try a renovation. I'll do a development. I'll do a subdivision. I'll do this. And it's like, and they don't get good at anything. Yeah, they might make some money on a couple of them, but yeah, the thing with any strategy, the first couple, you're really learning. Mm-hmm. And then after that, you get good at it. And you actually, you can do the same thing and you'll make more money out of it. You think it's the same thing. We, we see that uh, again and again, don't we? Yep, First yep. deal, it's like, that's the lessons. And yep. they, earn, they earn, they 
earn this much, but they learn yep. this much. Next yeah. deal, they earn this much, and they're still Ooh. learning. Probably yeah. probably a little bit less and less, but they're still learning. But the increase of earning comes back as well. So even if you do something and you don't make money out of it, it doesn't mean it's a bad strategy. If you enjoyed doing it and learned stuff from the process, look at take it apart. Look at what you learned from it and what you can do better next time and how you can improve on that. Because it just because it didn't make money doesn't mean it's a bad strategy. It might be a suitable one for you and you're just learning. Love it. Yeah. It might not be if you hated it, don't do it again. Do something else. <laughs> love it. Absolutely love it. Awesome. Awesome. Um uh now what what somebody who's not involved with the program, if someone's not in the Brovland program, yep. what would what would you tell somebody else? Well, I suppose the first question is, are they going to do what it takes? Because there's no point going in and you know committing to something, buying education, paying for it, if you're not going to do anything with it. So that's really the first question. It's not going to be like there's automatic solutions for you. I mean, we all know like in Ultimate and then even in Quantum, there's just a massive array of stuff and it's easy to get lost in. So um, it, it's not it's not there for entertainment. It's there to you know pick something and take action on. So that's the first question. Are they going to you know, take action on it? The next thing is if they're going to take action, just do it. Buy, every, buy everything you can. Do as much as you can. Do all the education to find what suits you and get into it because the return on it's massive. It's like, it's yeah. if you're actually going to use it, it's such a low investment for what you get out of it. So, I mean, that's that's my view on it. Because <laughs> mm. and, that, like and that's, your, that, that's your truth as well. You you've, yeah. you've had a huge return on your investments as well. Yeah, I mean, even look at yeah, you know, like what platinum, um, yeah, platinum is or was. I don't know how much platinum is now, but yeah, I think it was thirty grand or something that I paid for it then. But yeah, you, know, you look at the properties; it's like I'm getting double out out of one house every year. <laughs> it's like. Mm. Mm. <laughs> So it's like nothing in the scheme of things, provided you apply it. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Now, Mark, we've we've kind of got it to a different kind of section of this sure. uh, this interview. And I wanted to know because you've uh, you've gone down a path and you've become very much knowledgeable in the whole area of rooming houses. Mm -hmm. Um and there's a lot of interest in this whole strategy. Um, <laughs> that's right. Um, and there's a lot of concern. There's also a lot of questions. And I think also there's a little bit of confusion about different things and how they slot together as well. And I, I yeah. want to take a little bit of time, if that's okay, yeah, sure. to really kind of delve into this a little bit more. Um, and I suppose I want to start because you've, you've been involved with now, let me just clarify, a director of RAAV, which is a registered accommodation association of Victoria since 2012. Yep. Uh, director since probably 2014. I was on the committee. 2014. 2012, on the committee. Yeah. 2012. Yep. Yep. Uh, you, you, you regularly deal with consumer affairs. Yep. Yep. State governments, mm -hmm. councils. Yep. Um, and I think within this community, you probably know more than anyone else in this field. That's, that's possible. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're being modest. I think you're being modest. <laughs> and, as a, and as a consequence of yep. your, your level of expertise and understanding in this area, um, when you go and look at the masterclasses and when you look at the training, when you go to the boot camps, when you mm. see different courses, you will see that Dimna has got Mark up on stage to talk specifically about this whole area of rooming houses. And as a consequence of that, you've now got your own program as well, yeah. which yep. is super cash flow. Yes. 
Okay, awesome. Yeah. So can we can we like expand a little bit on that? So you've you've been involved with this area for since 2012, is that right? Yeah, look, I probably started doing rooming houses a little bit before that. Um, so it was probably 2011 when I was first setting that up, but 2012 um, with the community and then really getting focused on it, you know, 2013, 14 through Platinum. Um, you know, did, they did have me while I was in Platinum speaking to the Platinums at some of the events. Um, and then, yeah, and then rolled on from there into, you know, more, you know, speaking at some of the events um, more broadly after, after Platinum. Um, and then, and then bring, and then coming out with the program. There's like, there was a few things, like there was some quantum events, like I was often doing stuff at Extreme Income. There was a, like a three-day event with Kevin and, and then as well a few years ago where I did a full day on rooming houses. There was the Smarter Cashflow Homes um, events yep. that was a two-day with Kevin, which was part of Quantum. And then um, and then the Super Cashflow program was born in 2019. So it's been going for three years now. Yes. Yep. Awesome. Yeah, but it's not like it was any it's not like it was something new. It was already stuff that was happening through other events and through quantum and um and doing stuff that were even with you know Kevin Dudney when he when he had stuff doing stuff at his events as well. So um yeah it had been happening for a while. Awesome, awesome. So in this whole area, certainly I know that Dimna leans on you to obviously do those. And as you've just mentioned, you know, yep. you you've been presenting uh, I do get some of... I do get some calls and say, can you send me some slides on this? And yeah, yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you who don't know, when Timna's kind of got a, got a program or got some slides together, she leans on those who she knows are experts in that field. And so, hence, Mark would have got the call. Hey, put some slides together. Give me some deals. Yep. Which is why his deals are in some of her slides as well. Mm. Yeah, awesome, awesome. So can you give us a bit of an overview? Um, because there's a lot yep. of different rules and regulations. Yeah. There's a lot of different areas. It, it's different when it comes to different states, different councils and so forth. Can you give us yep. a bit of an overview, especially for someone who's probably a little bit new to the area? Because I know that yep. many students are involved. Some people have different levels of understanding. And there's some students who probably, you know, they're going, rooming houses, that sounds good. Cash flow sounds good. Yeah. Well, I suppose there's a... There's... Um, I mean, obviously, it's all covered in the training that as well. There's a bit of a hierarchy to it. You start with, you're starting with you know, planning, like what can you do in the zone? What does the council or government allow here or how do you navigate it for the outcome that you want? Um, the next bit is you know, building code or building compliance, which is you know, national construction code. Um, and then you get into you know, specific education, again, back into state-based um, or local council, whether there's... Um, you know, what you've got to do to comply with the residential tenancies legislation, what you've got to do to comply with any other, you know, boarding house or rooming house or lodging house in Western Australia, what you've got to do to comply with that, you know, whether there's um, Health Act stuff you've got to comply with, which like there is in Victoria and some other states. Yeah, so there's all of the operational stuff down at the bottom end of it. The bit that I normally cover first is actually the second part, which is the National Construction Code, because that's national. It's <laughs> so mm, the mm. one thing that's pretty much consistent across the entire country. And there is often even some confusion here. And I do have a, a slide in my training that I rely on a bit for this, um, which is actually a building notice issued by a council, um, which, yeah, because I, I mean, I hear things a bit that people go and say, oh, if I've only got three people, it doesn't have to be class 1B. And it's like, well, that's not actually correct. Um, it's It may not need to be registered as a rooming house because both Queensland and Victoria and um, actually, 
most states uh, have a, um, a trigger point of four or five or even more people before they consider it a rooming house or a boarding house and where registration is required. So below that, you don't have to register. There's no dispute there. There's, you know, you're fine with planning and other legislation. But as far as the National Construction Code goes, like I talked about before, multi-tenancy pretty much tips you into Class 1B. Now, the building notice I use is actually from Victoria, and it's a notice that was issued to somebody that I, that I then yeah, helped solve their issue, <laughs> where the building notice was issued to say that they had three people living in the house and that it wasn't class 1B and it should be. Now, it doesn't have to be a rooming house. It wasn't a rooming house, but it was still a multi-tenancy property. And you know, this comes up a bit, and look, a lot of the councils don't even necessarily know it. So there's people getting away with it, is the way I'd describe it where the council doesn't realise that it's not compliant with the building class. But obviously that raises issues potentially with insurance and that as well. And if they do catch on later down the track. I mean, I know there's insurers that are saying that they'll, you know, they'll cover it if you tell them it's okay, or if you meet certain fire compliance things and all that sort of stuff, but there still is potential risks there. And yeah, all the insurance structuring or whatever doesn't protect you from something if it's not legal. Look, this is this is this is a really interesting point. And I want to, and, 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 and I'm I'm glad you kind of brought this up because, um, in this area, and I know that certainly within the Isle of Real Estate community, Dipna is always specific. You need to do things by the book. You need to do things that are compliant. Um, and this is a very certainly for what you've just mentioned. There's some specifics, and insurance is probably going to be the key thing to indicate how it's going to work. If insurance is going to pay for it, it has to be 100% legitimate. If they're not, obviously, it's it's going outside the boundaries yeah. and you're, you're pushing. Oh, look, and, the, and the insurance is an area that I follow up on a bit. I actually spoke to a couple of insurers last week. And this is insurers who rang me. I didn't ring them. They rang me for some clarification on what to do with building wow. classifications and stuff. Um, and I've actually got to speak to another one this afternoon. So, yeah, there is active work on, um, you know, trying to get more suitable policies for it because yeah, like most insurances, stuff has blown out in the last few years because there's been lots of claims for floods and all that sort of stuff. And it tends to pass the costs on everywhere. Um, so yeah, we are trying to get more suitable insurance in this space. And there's some that aren't bad at the moment, um, but there's some where they've got you know, policies available that they're not really, you know, there's some risks in the risks in the way they're, you know, they're covering it. Um, look, I'm not I'm not opposed to people taking risks. I mean, everyone takes risks. I take risks too. But you, know, you need to understand if you're going to take a risk, you need to understand the risk you're taking, and not just think that it's okay because somebody said it was. And I think the point here is that when you understand the risk, you're the one that's done the due diligence on the deal, rather yeah. than involving somebody else to take on a risk that they're unaware of yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and so part of the problem here is too, like I said, some of the councils don't even know. Yeah, and they're the ones that are supposed to be administering it. So that makes it a little bit problematic as well. Or one department of the council will tell you, oh, you don't need to do anything, it's all, all okay, because there's nothing you need to do from a planning point of view. But they don't go on to say, oh, you need to check this and you need to check this. So, yeah, they just tell you things from their perspective, not the whole picture. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, Look, I really think that um, if if anyone has an interest in rooming houses, if you're going down this path, you're, you're 
I wasn't actually going to kind of like kind of kind of pitch your program, but I've really got to say, if if you're going on the if you're going into this, um, you really need to connect up with Mark and his his program. I I actually to tell you the truth, I don't even know. I wasn't even going to do this, but I don't even know what what the price is. But I know it was kind of ridiculously cheap, ridiculously cheap. And if you I'm want sure, to, I'm sure that'll change very soon. There's been some conversations. Oh, there is. Do you know what it is at the moment? I, I think it's still nine ninety five. Under a thousand bucks. Yep. <laughs> Okay, that's 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 crazy. It's should crazy. Be at least, that, should be at least four times that or more. I, I, yeah, it should. It should. So, um, if you're going down this path, if you if you want to make uh, cash flow your strategy and rooming houses as the vehicle to achieve that cash flow, um, you really need to have a look at at, at Mark and his program. It's. it's it, if you know anything about Dimna, she's like, hey, she wants to get on the person who knows more. Um, and certainly, Mark, you've done a friggin' amazing job. And thank you. The fact that insurance companies call you up because you get calls yeah. not only from insurance companies, no. you get calls from councils too, don't you? And some, and sometimes even town planners. <laughs> the town planners are calling you. Councils are calling yep. you. Insurance yep. companies are calling you. The funniest one, Amanda remembers this one. We're in the car. And I'd been talking to a council and they were telling me something and I was explaining to them how it works. And we're in the car. The council rang me to apologize. Wow. <laughs> because they got it wrong. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. 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 That's, that's, that's I, has anyone else ever heard of that? <laughs> the council calling and apologizing. I'm sorry. You were right. Yep. We got it wrong. Yep. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. Because I know that you've also got a story where you had a council representative, I believe, coming out to check and do an assessment on one of your properties. They were trying to kind of clarify things with you, but you picked them up on certain aspects that they were unaware of as well, which is probably oh, a similar one. Probably happened with a number of things a number of times. There's been an unrelated one recently. It's to do with, I said, we're getting a pool put in. You know, we had some contact from, um, it was actually the pool company and you think they should know what they're doing. But anyway, they've come back and said, oh, you know, we're being told this needs a planning permit. And it's like, well, no, because a swimming pool, you know, um, I mean, there are certain zones, but there's a general exemption in the planning scheme that says a swimming pool associated with a dwelling doesn't need a planning permit um, and unless it's, unless it's otherwise specified. And then there's a design and development overlay where we are. And in that overlay, it says a swimming pool associated with a dwelling doesn't need a planning permit. But there's a schedule in there that says excavation or fill of more than a metre needs a planning permit, right? So... They were relying on that bit saying, oh, but you're going to dig more than a metre. So I rang them and said, look, my understanding is it's exempt generally in the planning scheme. It's exempt in the overlay. The excavation of more than a metre is works associated with building a pool, which is an exempt use. So therefore, it's already exempt. It doesn't need a planning permit. And they said to me, yeah, you're right. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> uh, but the person at the council even said, we used to, we used to um, you know, issue planning permits for pools until somebody pointed that out to us. And it's like they're the guy, they're the ones who've done a planning degree. It's like, <laughs> wow, wow. But that's a similar situation. Yeah, even with rooming houses, there's um, yeah a use exemption and a building and works exemption. But there's other building and works exemption in the planning scheme. So sometimes you don't need to rely on that part because which means you can do things in there that it says you can't do because you can do them because they're already exempt. Mm, wow. Because they're exempt in other parts of the planning scheme. So yeah, sometimes it takes a bit of navigating. And a bit of reading <laughs> and remembering what you read. If you want someone on your team, Mark is a person to have when it comes to rooming houses. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I do all the time. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Um, 
Mark, is there anything else you wanted to say to, to, to wrap up? Because I mean, like... Um, we have gone a bit longer, haven't we? We've gone a little bit over. We've gone a little bit over, but I think it's been worthwhile um, yep. because, yeah, there's, there's, there's a whole lot of stuff that's involved. Oh, the one other thing, uh, changes in Queensland. Yes. Now, there has been a bit of talk about, about changes. Did you want to give us a bit of, an, bit of an insight into what's happening? Because, yeah, there's been a bit of talk about that as well. Yeah. Um, look, basically, um, the government have come out and said, you know, that you can do rooming houses for up to five people. So it's still only five occupants and five rooms um, in Queensland. Um, in pretty much more zones, so they've included low-density residential zones as well. Um, in more zones right across the state. However, stuff to still be clarified there is a lot of those councils will charge you know, contribution charges, which are quite hefty in Queensland. Some of them are wanting to hit you for you know, $20,000 a room. Um, nothing on whether they're going to still charge those or not. Um, and some of the councils you know, still had rooming house as a permitted use in a lot of zones anyway, subject to paying those fees, right? <laughs> So it's probably a little bit more government spin than anything. Um, it's at least a step in the right direction and yeah, it may open up the conversation more broadly and help to improve things a bit further. Um, but it's at, at this stage, it probably raises more questions than it answers, mm. which is fine. I like asking questions. <laughs> That's why you know so much. Keep on asking questions until, <laughs> yeah. to, 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 to gain yeah. a greater understanding. Yeah, so there's a thing, ask more questions. And just because somebody tells you something, yeah, even if I tell you something, yeah, and I, I, do, I do use this disclaimer a bit as well. Yeah, don't believe a word I say. Yeah, check everything. Make sure you verify that what I'm saying is right. And I can probably point you to the sources in you know, legislation and regulation to cover that anyway. So, um, and I'll make sure that I, yeah, that I check things. But needless to say it doesn't mean that i won't still get things wrong or i won't still say things from my own experience so yeah check that what i'm saying is right for you and, and that, yeah, that goes for everyone else yeah check what someone else says is right key point I don't, I don't believe anything i'm told even the councils come and tell me something it's like well that's an interesting opinion you've got there can you show me where that is in the legislation got it love it <laughs> i'm not arguing with them but i'm making them look yes yep, yep. so i don't go at, i don't go and do it confrontational <laughs> um for those of you listening i hope you're picking up this is this is this is a really interesting approach when it comes to due diligence dipna mentions this as well always do your own due diligence never rely on anyone else yeah do it for yourself and I, I suppose that comes back to the jvs too do your own jv do your own due diligence on the deal if someone's presenting yep. a deal to you. yep and uh and she mentions do due diligence on the deal but also do it on the person yep you said something kind of a little bit similar in the fact yeah. that Treat it like a marriage. First. Yep, person first. Person first, deal second. So yeah, awesome, awesome. Yep. But every everything has to be verified. Like a you know, council or someone's telling you something. Yep. Ask for where that is. Yeah. A lawyer's telling you something. Ask where it is. Like, <laughs> where's it written? Got, got to be in writing. Got yep. to be in writing. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. yep. Awesome. No, otherwise, it's just an opinion. Fantastic. Uh, now we've got a few people listening on Facebook. Got a people um, here uh, in Zoom. Any questions and so forth? Because I think we, should, we we've gone over a little bit over time. Um, <laughs> we can catch up if worth, you want. No, no, it's worthwhile. <laughs> it's worthwhile. Right, well, is it? Well, is there anything else that you wanted to cover off on this this point? Because we've 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 covered a lot of ground. Is there anything else? Yeah. That... Uh, look, I, I suppose I went through the steps. You know, planning first. Um, you know, building like, and we talked about Queensland, where there are some 
planning exemptions. Yeah, Victoria's got pretty broad planning exemptions. New South Wales have got some good policies, but they've changed recently. Some of the other states are a bit lighter on it, but it's a matter of looking what they're looking at what there is. You know, it, it, talking to someone who knows what there is. Well, yeah, well, I suppose like me. Um, or I mean, you could town planners. Sometimes you've got to find one that knows it. Councils, again, sometimes you know, they might have some information, they might not be right, but at least start asking the questions, even if you're talking to town planners or councils or whatever, if they tell you something, again, ask them where it is so you can read it. Um, so go through those steps to make sure what you're doing, but check everything. Um, you know, what's the next step? The next step is, you know, is the building compliant? The next step is, you know, is there other things you've got to do? Is there required signage that you know, consumer affairs or office of fair trading or whatever required you have up in there? What do they require from their point of view? Yeah. So go and check through. Um, you know, I did touch on operationally before. I, um, you know, I do have a view that I don't think real estate agents are the best people to manage it. Um, and you know, that, I suppose, comes from my experience and seeing the different results. Um, but also when I look at the legislation, the legislation is different. Um, even though it's still you know, renting a room is still in the Residential Tenancies Act. And I'll use Victoria as an example, but other states are similar. There's a section on residential tenancies, there's a section on rooming houses. Victoria, we've got a section on caravan parks. So even caravan parks are in the Residential Tenancies Act. And I usually ask the pe ask people, would you go buy a caravan park and go get your local real estate agent to manage it? Mm, mm. I mean, it sounds like a stupid question, doesn't it? Mm. Then I'll ask, what makes you think they can do rooming houses? So it does take... Yeah, look, I'm not saying that they're all bad. There are some good ones and I know some that are good at it, but you want to make sure they've got the track record and, they, and they're delivering good results. Um, or find someone that specifically does that and has a business around that um, that specifically does it. It is a lot more work than normal property management and yeah, a real estate agent trying to get into it will underestimate that and therefore they tend their service level tends to drop because they're not getting paid enough, which is just human nature. Um, so it's making sure that there's an outcome delivered rather than, and I, I mean, I, I see this a bit and I've done, I think I've done stuff on this and I've done stuff on radio about it as well with property management. You see the question a lot, people are trying to find the property manager with the lowest percentage where I don't care about that. I don't care about that with a lot of things. I want the one that delivers the best results. Mm, mm. And that's even for standard rentals or whatever. I'm happy to pay more to get the best results. And that goes with, you know, building the property or whatever. I'm not looking for the cheapest builder. I'm looking for one that delivers the best result. So um, I think that's what the focus needs to be more on rather than where you can save money. What can you do to bring more money in? Like I said, I'm focused on cash flow. So <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's going to deliver me a better return? Not what's going to cost me less. Happy to spend more to make more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Different point of view, hey? <laughs> Very different point of view. Mark, super cash flow man. Um, yep. Thank you so much. No worries. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Taking out the time um, and um, being so insightful, really kind of clarifying a, a whole lot about your story, which is which is fascinating, yep. which I love. The fact that you got you know at least two that most people deals that most people know. Now they know who it is. Yeah. I know there was a mention there. Hang on, was that There's one more. of Mark's? Was that one of Mark's? There's more out there as well. Access to. Yep. There's yep. more out there. We'll we'll leave those as mysteries, you know, from this point forward. Um, thanks everyone from Facebook for joining us as well. Um, we're going to wrap up. Uh, we've got a little bit over time, um, but certainly been worth it. Uh, have a fantastic Friday afternoon. 
Um, have a great Christmas, uh, New Year's break, all that type of thing for you as well. We will be back on deck uh, 2023. How about that, hey? We're going to be ending, ending one year and back into another year. It's going to go. Um, I'm so- just going to swap to the to the Christmas hat. change mode yes 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 (laughs) jingle jingle all that kind of stuff um so yeah thank you everybody for joining us um really love these kind of success stories and getting an insight into um what each of Dimmer's students have done and and certainly mark has been one of the fascinating ones and i've loved the fact that we've done this one as a last as a as a wrap-up to the year so once again mark really appreciate it thank you for anyone who's interested super cash flow reach out uh i might even put a link in the in the comments below or reach out to knowledge source if you're interested in doing his program certainly if you're into rooming houses that'd be that'd be the, the right thing to do so do that because i think that price is going to go up probably next year sometime isn't it well you'd be mad not to at that price wouldn't you, you well you would yeah, <laughs> yeah. If, 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 if that's your strategy if that's your strategy yeah. you want to do then yeah, yeah absolutely absolutely yeah. so um so that's it from me so um awesome so look uh we're going to wrap up there have a fantastic afternoon no nice nice Chrissy, all that kind of stuff and we will see you later eugene uh, have a wonderful Christmas and prosperous new year. Thank you, Eugene. you Eugene. Bye, everyone on Facebook. <laughs> All right, we're going to end off. Catch everyone later. Okay. See you now. Bye. Yeah.